Uh, my name is Joe. Uh, I'm really nervous to be here. I've never preached outside of a youth context, so uh, ahead of time, forgive me, and I apologize for uh, childish words. <laughs> I apologize for cheesy, childish junior high jokes, uh, because that's what I'm used to, but I'll do my best to deliver God's word. Um, thank you so much for having me. I- I'm really blessed to be here. Uh, I thank Pastor Mike so much for giving me the opportunity to preach here. It's, again, the first time I am able to preach in front of an exclusive adult congregation, so uh, praise God for that. Pastor Mike has been um, just really like an older brother figure for me, so anything I do wrong, I learned from him. <laughs> I'm just joking. Um, uh, again, uh, I am uh, from Fuller Theological Seminary School, and I just got ordained this past year. I'm still not used to uh, the whole, especially from the Korean context, when they call me Buksanim, they'll call me Buksanim over and over, and I'll be like, oh, you're talking to me. <laughs> so I'm still getting used to that. Uh, people come and try to bow to me. Don't do that. I don't really... I try to kind of keep it more uh, junior high kid, you know. Think of me as a junior high kid. That's just what I love. Um, 33 years old. Uh, I am Korean-American, so I am uh, understanding of the Korean culture, uh, yet not fully embracing the Korean culture, which gives me the ability to work in the context of a Korean church where I'm able to preach to youngsters as well as communicate with the adult body and be defiant in their language. Uh, being Korean, I want to share, I want to start with... Um, just a quick story. Uh, I used to visit Korea uh, every summer when I was a kid, and I think this one time when I was in elementary school, uh, I was there, and I speak Korean. I speak it fairly well, uh, deceivingly well, uh, where people will think that uh, I have pretty good Korean, but I'm only good at the Korean that I know. So if you say things to me, or culturally sometimes, I just won't get it. And so I was in Korea, and I was with my uh, cousin, who was the same age as me, and he's a native of the land over there. He's Korean, and I'm like American, but I look Korean. And so this is the situation that we are in. And it was a hot summer day, and in Korea, if you don't know, in the summer, it's really hot. It's like nasty hot, right? So there's this little place where you can pay a couple of uh, uh, Korean uh, coins to go, and there's this public swimming pool, like indoor swimming pool area. And there was uh, when we got there, I was like real confused, culture shock, because I got to the locker room, first of all, and everyone started taking off their clothes. I was like, dude, what are you doing, man? <laughs> and I just wasn't used to, you know, they're like, okay with that. Uh, and, uh, you know, they wear Speedos instead of like, you know, like trunks. And so I was really confused, and I was just like, okay, this is kind of weird. I'm already in culture shock, and I get out there, and I'm about to jump into the swimming pool, and I noticed that there are two swimming pools. One of those swimming pools was a deeper-ended pool where I saw all the older people, uh, like, you know, like that are just like high school or up that could actually swim. And there was a shallow end, which is where I belonged with all the other elementary kids, right? And um, they were having fun and stuff. And uh, the cousin I was with, okay, uh, my beloved cousin, man, that guy is a rebellious guy. He's always, he's still rebellious. Like every time I see him, he does something rebellious. And I didn't really understand that at the time I was a kid and he's my cousin. So I'm just like following along with whatever he does. And um, initially I went to like, you know, like the little kiddie pool area where it was shallow and I was playing, splashing around and I knew how to swim. Uh, My cousin swam even better, right? So he was not afraid to get up and jump into the adult swimming pool against the rules, way against the rules but I don't know what the rules are. It's all written in Korean. I'm not going to take time to read I can't read that. You know, that's too hard, right? So I'm like, all right, I'm just going to do what he does. And he, and he said in Korean, he's like, Joe, he's like, come here, come here. And I was like, all right. And I jumped in this adult swimming pool. I'm like splashing around. And I can swim a little bit, so I'm not sinking or anything like that. It's safe. And I had, I had the capacity to swim or whatnot. But 
I just remember, I'll never forget this moment ever in my entire life from far off, this, this older Korean ajushi, ajushi is the word for like older man, in his tight little speedos with his ajushi bod and his uh, slippers. He's just staring at me from far away with this mean mug look on, looking at me, right? And he goes, in Korean, he says, no, you, Iruwa, come here. Like he was from some Jackie Chan movie or something like that, right? And I was like, uh, okay. And I'm, I'm walking up towards him. I'm swimming over. And he says, hurry up, get out. And I was like, in English, because I got nervous. So I began to speak my more comfortable tongue. I said, why? <laughs> I said, why? And he went, and he heard in Korean, where? That's all here. And if you don't know, that's just the Korean word for why. But that is not the honorary form. And so he heard that as a sign of rebellion and rebuke. So as I was getting out of the pool, this big Korean Ajishibad looking dude in his Speedos reaches down for his slippers and he takes one off. And as I'm coming up out of the pool, climbing the stairs, again saying, why? He lets me have it. Yes, he swung as hard as he could and the slipper hits me on the top of the head and I fall back in the pool. And he said, oh, sir, get out. And I was like, whoa, 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 I don't want to get out right now because every time I try to get out of the pool, you keep swinging that slipper at my face. Uh, and he hit me a couple of more times until I finally made it out. Well, I'm, saying, <laughs> I'm like crying, right? I have no idea what is going on. I have no idea what the culture is and I didn't understand. But what was he doing? He was exercising his authority. And uh, many of us probably, maybe not to that very specific extreme example, maybe even worse, I don't know, right? But we've all experienced some form of authority in our lives, right? Where somebody has practiced some version of their authority, what they perceive as true authority, and they exercise that in, in their mind, their right to have this authority uh, in your life. Whether that be for you who are, if you are fresh out of high school, if you are still in school of any way, shape, or form. I just, anytime I, you know, again, I'm a junior high pastor, so you have to understand, right, my context. Every time, every time a kid's having a bad day, I'm like, hey, brother, what's going on, man? Or, hey, sister, what's, what's wrong? I had a bad day because my teacher hates me, right? It is the exercise of bad authority that they get this from. My teacher was so upset at me just because I didn't do my homework and I talked in class and all these other great things. I'm trying to tell him, like, hey, you should have uh, maybe paid attention in class, done your homework, and not talk so much, right? But uh, nevertheless, we're quick to use this authority, and we've seen that. And even in the work field, for those of you who are in the working field, maybe in the corporate setting, uh, you know that, that boss that's always having a bad day, right? And so you talk about him behind his back, always exercising his authority negatively towards you. Um, or uh, for me growing up, I grew up a little bit in the 90s. Uh, for those of you who don't know, everybody in the 90s were part of some sort of gang in Southern California and LA. Everybody wanted to be like thuggish, right? And I see a lot of that, the clothing coming back these days, by the way, with the kids, like baggy clothes, which represented very, something, something very specific. But I, I grew up with, everybody wanted to be friends with the guy who was like either really, really cool or really, really good at fighting. At least that's what I did, which ends up just getting you into trouble. 
right? Or for some people, uh, their authority comes with their success. And for a, a younger person who's still in school, with if they become the valedictorian, they feel like a little bit of authority is given to them. If they are the number one in class. I remember the day I set the curve for a math class one time before I got into my delinquent phase. And they were so mad at me because I dropped everyone's grade by half a grade because I was Asian. You know what I'm saying, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> or uh, even if you're, again, in middle school and you're playing video games with your buddies and you happen to be the best one at Street Fighter, right? If you are the best at Street Fighter and you've beaten everybody, you've, you, you begin to have some sort of authority and you tend to want, especially as a child, you want to abuse that authority, right? Well, the Bible talks to us about authority, uh, scripture teaches us uh, very clearly about what authority really looks like. And today we we're talking about the authority of Jesus Christ himself. So if you could actually turn your Bibles with me to uh, the book of Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. And um, I'm trying to remember the things that I hear from Pastor Mike's podcast as well as trying to dress as much like him as I po- I dusted off my only adult shirt to put it on today for you guys. I usually try to dress more like a kid. Uh, but uh, please, in, uh, we will be reading from the English ESV version, and if you don't have a Bible, we will have it up on the screen for you, I believe, just like Pastor Michael usually says, right? Awesome. If you are there, as I usually say, could you please say word? Awesome. Thank you. Uh, Mark chapter 10, verses 35 through 45. Would you listen for the word of God? And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. And Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, we are able. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those um, for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them, but it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That is the word of the Lord. Uh, yeah, this is what Scripture talks about. Scripture talks about the authority of Jesus Christ in this very way. And Jesus Christ, so in this situation, in the scripture passage today, we got these two characters, James and John, sons of Zebedee. And they, what they did was they began to walk out into this world with uh, this person named Jesus that they saw. And if you uh, are new to church, Jesus is this man who started to do these miracles in, their, in his life. And people began to see that. If, you, if you've ever read the book of John in chapter two, the very first miracle we see is uh, they run out of wine at this uh, a wedding in Cana, right? And, like, and, and it's like a shameful moment to not have enough wine at this week-long party uh, in a wedding. And uh, uh, Jesus' uh, uh, mother Mary is like, hey, son, uh, I know that you can do that thing that you do. So, hey, we ran out of wine. If you could hook a sister up real quick, right? So he goes, sure, sure, yeah, let's keep the party going, right? And then he, 
out of nowhere, this, 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 these barrels of water, these purification, purification jars of water, he in an instant turns into fine wine. And they, people begin to see them. They're like, dude, what? That was crazy. And he continues on and he does other miracles. Uh, one of the most famous miracles that he does is he takes a couple of pieces of bread and some fish and he uses that to feed 5,000 men uh, as well as whoever, uh, what, whichever women and uh, children might have been there. Right? This amazing miracle. And if you were living in a time of poverty and living in a time where it was kind of hard to come across food, that was a very valuable thing. If you were a people who were being overthrown by a different uh, a group of people, uh, you needed somebody with, an, uh, with a power and an authority to get you out of that oppression, right? So they see this guy who's able to like, do these crazy cool magic tricks and provide, and they see that he has some power, and they be, begin to be curious, and they start to follow him around for these three years in ministry. In the midst of that, they, they, these guys get up the courage. They're like watching Jesus and they're like, all right, here, I think we're ready. Yeah, he is the one. He is the one. So uh, James and John, they come up to Jesus and they're like, hey, Jesus, man, you know what I'm saying? We've been chilling for a little bit, right? And I just wanted to ask you real quick, because, you know, we, we homies and stuff like that. And when you come into this moment of glory, when you come into this moment, when you overthrow everything, can we, the two of us, be at your right and your left hand? Can we be at your right and your left hand? And Jesus is like, uh, did you not hear what I just said? Because if you read just a few verses before, what he does is he talks about and he predicts his death. Right? He talks about the death that he's going to uh, uh, experience through the cross. And if anybody, if you study scripture very closely and very carefully, you know where Jesus' greatest moment of glory is? The moment of glory, if you grew up in church, you might know this very well, is the moment which is why we use and we see this cross represented everywhere in the church because that was the moment of glory where he uh, bleeds and he dies for us as a ransom for many. This is his moment of glory. Little do James and John know and realize that that is what they were asking for. So they're like, yo, Jesus, yeah, when you come into the rise of power, Can we be there with you? And Jesus is like, can you drink the cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. He goes, yeah, you can. And in fact, if you read in Acts chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, we see James being killed, uh, being killed for what he is doing, for who who he is following and what he is uh, preaching to other people. And this is a representation of what that means is they do follow in the footsteps of Jesus in in that aspect. But in terms of what it meant to have authority in the way that Jesus did, what they thought it was was not what it was. Because what it actually was, was Jesus going and serving other people. And if you read in verse 45, it says, For even, even the Son of Man, the Son of Man, if you don't know, is, uh, is he's referring to himself, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. This is the person who has all the power in the universe. Right? He was there from the beginning. He is God himself. He could have done it any way that he wanted to. The person who has the most authority. Imagine, can you imagine just for a moment, like if you had, you know, the, what was the Powerball uh, a lotto was at like 700 million recently. And anytime it gets that high, I, you know, in my, in my flesh and in my sinful nature, I begin to ponder like, if I bought a lotto ticket 
after I tithe my 10%, so I uh, am still a good Christian. <laughs> what is the first thing I would buy my girlfriend? <laughs> what is the first? You know, and then you begin to think about and ponder like all the power and authority you might have, right? And what you can actually do. But in all the authority and all the power in the universe, what does Jesus do? He goes around, he begins to feed people. He begins to help people that are hurt, heal the sick. He even gets down with these 12 brothers of his that follow him around for three years and in this intimate, intimate moment. Can you imagine your boss or your CEO or your lead pastor? And at the time, please just imagine with me how dirty feet are. How dirty are feet where there was, there was no running showers. And I, I used to sell, one of my uh, previous jobs uh, was I used to work at Nordstrom uh, selling women's shoes. And so I had a lot of friends that were girls at the time because they were all after my discount. Uh, and I've seen a lot of feet. I've seen a lot of feet. I've seen a lot of women's feet. And man, let me tell you, they get gross. You know, like sisters, uh, y'all are amazing. But man, y'all feet sometimes get sweaty and stinky all up in there, right? And I've seen some nasty feet. But can you imagine how dirty it was back then? And this is a man who has all the authority in the world, right? This is the person that could do that and have it any way that he wants. And the choice that he takes is he gets on his hands and his knees and he does the job of a servant for the people that are supposed to be his subordinates. He washes their feet. This is what the authority of Jesus looks like all the way to the point where he gives up his entire life as a ransom for many. So what does this mean for each and every single one of you, my brothers and sisters of All Nations Community Church? First of all, if you are new, uh, I am not the regular preacher. This is like my second time in this room. I usually preach to junior high, so please don't judge the entire ministry based off my preaching. Um, but if you are new to church, if you are a, just not a believer yet, the first step and the first challenge for you is to see if the things that I am talking about are true and begin to read this book. Begin to ask questions to people that have been in the faith for a longer time. Read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John through the life of Jesus Christ to see what he was truly doing. Was he a person in authority who just told people what to do and was a tyrant? Or was he somebody that was willing to serve other people, not out of guilt, not out of a way of trying to earn something, but out of an overflow of his love for other people. And for those of you who did grow up in church or have been a Christian for some time now, but you've been just coming regularly on Sunday, sitting here, listening to a message, hearing some really good worship music. Thank you so much, praise team. Worship team, so great. Um, what are you doing to give back and serve in the way that Christ did? What are you doing to save the lost souls of junior high students if you are between the ages of 20 and 30 and you're female. <laughs> Shameless plug, we are looking for leaders to serve in our ministry. <laughs> what are you doing? So my challenge to you guys is to see, and not, not because you're trying to earn grace, not because you're trying to earn favor in the church and earn favor in the eyes of God, but it is because this is what God has already done. Right? This is something that you and I couldn't have done on our own, but we were able to see it. So we were given a fresh start through the cross and through the blood of Jesus Christ. Um, I just, uh, yeah, uh, 
opportunities to serve are constantly arising uh, all around the world, all around this church. Uh, I was able to sit down and talk about uh, with some people this week, uh, trying to create more opportunities to serve through Operation Christmas Child. Uh, we have places to serve, not just in Karis, which is our ministry, uh, if you're uh, between the ages of 20 and 30, female, for if you have a heart for the souls of 7th, 8th, and ninth graders. But there's also places to serve in high school, in elementary, in Awana that Pastor Mike mentioned. Or maybe you don't need to be plugged into a ministry yourself, but maybe you just want to serve the people next to you. Maybe it's as simple as getting your friend a cup of coffee. But no, let me get this for you. See, this is where the authority of Jesus begins to rise. And could you imagine with me? Could you imagine with me if we lived in a world where people began to understand this? Would you imagine with me if, there, if we lived in a world where even just one person decided, decided to make this change and not think about themselves, to put down the fact that they need to be the main character, but to begin to live for other people? And in fact, 2,000 years ago, there was one man that did do that. And then something began to happen. There was another 12 that were following him around and began to follow in his footsteps after they saw everything that had happened. And then throughout the ages, Christians is what they were called, people who began to follow Christ. And the authority came not because they were above people in government and authority, but because they had hearts and desires that were wanting to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. And then we began to see places. I was just at the hospital yesterday to visit my grandfather, and the name of that hospital was Good Samaritan. And I love that so many hospitals have religious names and an implication that it was a place that's rooted where they want to help people in the way that scripture and the bible wanted to help other people there are programs like the boys and girls club that want to keep youngsters out of trouble a place where they can come together and have community and fellowship and be safe you got ymca you know the aa alcoholics anonymous uh was started by christian values you see places like homeboy industries one of my personal favorite places that they've created where they're able to help people who can't help themselves and they just want to be able to serve and give back to the community. And then we have All Nations Community Church that continues to create places to serve one another and to serve the entire body of Christ as well as the community around us. And then sometimes not in one of these big organizations, but there are moments where you'll get like a young 7th, 8th, or ninth grade youngster, a little boy who has an absent father who's only experienced weird forms of authority through old men at a swimming pool in Korea with sandals and Speedos. And they come across to a moment where they meet a man who's supposed to be his authority in that moment, in that room, in this place called small group. And instead of exercising his authority in the way that the youngster thought he would, he asks him, what can I do to help you? He asks this young little boy, what can I get for you to eat? Let me invite you to my home. Let me take you out. Let me serve you without asking for anything in return. And that one little act, that one attitude of service can begin to change the life of a single person where that person can grow up in a different perspective of the world. We believe in a God who wants to change the community, to change the world, not by being a tyrant and forcing us to do anything. But the authority of Christ resides in the love that he has for us. The authority of Christ resides 
and the love and the serving attitude that Jesus had for us. So I challenge you, wherever you are in your life, whether you're young or older, or if you're working, if you're a CEO, if you work for a CEO, if you're like the leader of a college campus Christian club of some sort, or if you're just a regular church attendant, look for these opportunities where you can serve by serving one another. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? God, we thank you so much that you are a God who could have done it any way that you wanted to, but you chose a way of love. You chose a way of, uh, of serving us in an attitude that is just um, so amazing, God, that we're able to see through the life of Christ uh, God, you, 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 you could have done it any way you wanted to. You didn't have to deal with us, but you, in your love for us, exercised this attitude of serving us all the way to the point of death on a cross. God, we ask that you will um, plant the seed in our heart of wanting to serve other people, not because we're trying to earn your favor, not because we want to gain an authority that uh, belongs to the world in the way that it is represented by everyone else but would you give us the desire to serve out of the love, out of the gratitude that we see, receive from you, God? Would you continue to create opportunities to serve? And would you move us? Would you move us into a place where we are excited to give back? We thank you, and in Jesus' name we pray.